VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost podcast. It is August 6, 2018, and this is episode number 5050. Halfway to the century mark, they said it wouldn't be done, and we're still here. This is Tom, uh, in the not in the Washington, D.C. outpost. I am in the refined environs of Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, on the family vacation. Nick joins me from the Houston outpost. Yes, Nick, I'm still sweating it out in the, normal, in the normal outpost. I miss you guys, too. I think that it's um, appropriate that we got the big 5-0 for the episode today because Mr. 5-0, Ryan Shazier walked across the football field on Friday Night Lights at training camp for the Steelers the other week without the assistance of a cane. And that was freaking awesome, just like it was awesome to see him at that Penguins game when he stood up in his chair, and just like it was awesome to see him at the NFL draft walk across the stage with the uh, help of his wife, fiance. I can't remember if they're married yet or not. But, um, yeah, that was awesome. I don't know if you guys have seen the videos on that, but – I think it's cool how Ryan seems to have set his recovery around these like marquee dates. I kind of get the feeling that he's saying like, I want to do this by the NFL draft. I want to walk, you know, with help by the NFL draft. Okay. At some point during training camp, he picks the biggest day at training camp, which is the Friday night lights session uh, with 10,000 people there at the stadium. He says, by this time, I want to be able to walk across the field by myself. And I don't know if those goals are necessarily set, you know, months and months in advance but it sounds like he picks special dates and then he executes and inspires when the time is called so that's pretty cool and this is why your kid your kid isn't in the nfl yeah he's a man among boys so training camp continues and we are going to talk about several themes that you nicholas have identified and um why don't we jump into that yeah, we don't have like the plethora of themes that we had last week when training camp was starting, but now you're starting to get into the nitty gritty of the training camp ex- experience. And so we'll try and give you as much as we can on that. There have been tons of great reporters covering the training camp. I was just tweeting with Alex Kazora from Steelers Depot, perhaps the most prolific of all the uh, Steelers writers, and he's out there on the ground. Uh, that City of Six Instagram account, um, oh, that dude's awesome at showing actual video clips of how the Steelers look. Uh, well, not how they look, about like the actual play on the field. And that's really cool to be able to put the sights to the reports. You know, you hear about James Washington making a great catch, a one-handed catch during a team session, and then you see it in the video, and it it delivers, you know, and you really get an understanding of how these guys are looking. Obviously, Tony Sabrino, um, he's he should we should be able to call him a brother from another mother, even though we're Serena, he's Sereno. There's got to be some sort of relation there. Yeah, he's down on the ground. So a lot of great people sharing information about training camp. And then we're just kind of going basically off of injuries because that's what you look at in training camp. You don't want to get crushed with injuries. We got lucky with the Ramon Foster thing. Um Thank goodness it seems like he's going to be back, if not for the opener, but soon after that, like we said. There are um, a couple other injuries that are going on right now, but they're not really a big deal. When You you don't want to fr- freak out. You don't want to freak out 
if you're a Steelers fan and you keep hearing like, oh, AB hasn't practiced in five days. Oh, Ben only practices half the time. All these stars are out. Well, it's just a little different during training camp because during the regular season, you don't get the luxury of giving a guy a day off or two or three days off to to heal if he's got you know, a sore hamstring or something like that. You need him in the game. Whereas in training camp, I think that they just tend to sit these guys at the first sign of any type of really ailment so that they prevent it from getting any worse. So if I can just jump in, you know, the Vance McDonald injury, uh, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe it's just uh, getting some prophylactic treatment so he doesn't get any Mm -hmm. worse. But interesting statistic. I may have this wrong, but it's close that um, Jesse James has participated in 52 of 53 practices since he made the Steelers. Tough guy. That, that's huge. Yeah, speaking of Alex, Alex Kazora, I saw him tweet that out the other day. That's where I saw that at least. That's amazing because, like I said, they'll sit guys out for nothing at this point in training camp, so that says a lot about him. And then when it comes to Vance, I will say that most of these injuries you don't really have to worry about, but there are some some trends you can look at that can be frustrating. For instance, Vance – the dude just can't stay on the damn field. Whereas Jesse, you can't pry him off. You can pry <laughs> touchdowns away from him, but you can't take him off of the field. And that thing with Vance, I do think is sort of significant because when it comes to a guy with the history of that, then it's pretty frustrating. And especially with this guy that we're pegging to be a breakout star for the Steelers. I don't even think I'm really exaggerating. And we just saw that happen with Ladarius Green. You saw these flashes of him whenever he played. He was incredibly effective, but he never played. And now you're sort of getting into that territory with Vance. But like I said before, you do have to take it with a grain of salt. So hopefully it's not that big of a deal with Vance. But it is a little annoying that he hasn't been practicing. annoying indeed. So let's move on to what we've seen as far as themes have, have uh, occurring. And one of the things is that the offense, the offensive starters haven't been on the field much together. Yeah, well, obviously you don't have Le'Veon. They give Ben certain days off. Uh, he kind of does like one practice on and one off, and he does a half one. And then he used to take a trip trip to Costco for cheese doodles for the team, but it seems like he lost that weight. So, I don't know, maybe he's having some avocado ice cream with Tom Brady. But uh, And then, of course, AB hasn't been playing. So the superstars, basically the Steelers, the killer bees, you don't see them on the field a lot. And then Juju had a knee procedure uh, earlier in the offseason, and it seems like it's been flaring up and down. So he's been missing things here or there. Obviously, Foster's out. Villanueva's been out. So all the big-name guys (laughs) aren't really practicing on a consistent basis uh, throughout training camp. So it's kind of get a hard – it's kind of hard to get a beat on them, but there are some guys who are probably the most important to look at in training camp, you know, as opposed to, we know what we got with the stars, but there's some guys who we really want to see what they can do. And we've been getting the chance. I'd say some two, um, the, the two ones that I'm really thinking of are James Washington, the wide receiver who we're expecting to thrust into a starting role, much like a Juju Smith Schuster from last year. But whereas Juju had the luxury of, kind of working his way in through the first few games, uh, we're hoping that Washington can start immediately. And from all the reports and from the videos that I've been able to watch, he started the few first few practices a little rough, nothing to be concerned about. He's a rookie, but this dude is now making some circus catches and he is making, um, he's not just making them on one-on-ones, he's making them in the red zone and it's with guys draped all over him, getting his toes down in the corner in the end zone. He's making one-handed catch 
catches. Uh, I've seen a few deep ones from him, not a ton, but I'm almost more pleased with his ability to high point the ball and make those type of catches because I feel like we haven't had a bigger body guy like that really since Martavis did it 30% of the time. You know, so that's pretty encouraging. Yeah, from uh, again, standpoint. obviously, you can't draw too many conclusions, but it's better him acting, uh, performing at that level than than not. What's uh, interesting is that defense seems to be dominating as far as you know, eleven, eleven, seven on seven, and uh, I think you would agree with me. It's meaningless since we don't have the entire starting team on the field. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say it's meaningless. I would say I wouldn't read too much into it. They've been annihilating in the seven shots drill. And sort of made famous by the Steelers and taught Haley a couple years ago when they said, we need to focus on the red zone, so we're going to do this. And they got a little better that year, and then they completely regressed last year to be like 24th in the red zone. So who knows if it actually works or not, but all I know is the defense has won like 8 out of 10 of those things. And to me, that makes you a little encouraged about the defense, but it worries me about the offense because – I think that this defense can be solid, and that's what you've been seeing so far. And we'll we'll get into more details with them um, once we finish up the offense. But the goal, I don't think this team is going to win the Super Bowl with a solid defense. They need to have the defense be complimentary, but they need the offense to be amazing. They can't have the offense be good. The offense needs to be top five, and I don't like the fact that they can't finish these seven-shot drills. Although, you know, when Ben does play, he's only getting the first three shots and then he hasn't been playing a lot of the other times, so I'm not totally going to judge him, I guess, off of. Yeah. You know, You've got to have the starters and, out there. And, and stuff. you have to, I mean, there's a level of familiarity that adds, a, that is a variable you can't account for, right? I mean, the defense does know the offense. Let's, let's see what happens when we play somebody who hasn't played us before. Right. Um, Keith Butler, high on Terrell Edmonds. Yeah, so I guess we can move to that, uh, to those secondary guys that we were talking about. They are playing pretty damn well. And you and I were talking about Joe Hayden earlier in this offseason. Like, I've been really excited for for him this year. I feel like he's sort of a forgotten guy. Well, he came in to training camp last year. Obviously, we know he's not in his absolute prime, but he could still be a top NFL corner, you know, a top 15 type guy. But he came in without any training camp last year, and he got thrown into the fire on this crappy defense that calls two plays at a time and it'll be hard for anybody but he apparently has looked shut down since day one and he has been keeping that up the whole training camp Artie's apparently looked good but the big guys who are really standing out thank god our first round pick terrell evans who is really surprising everybody the writers the coaches the players us and then also the other guy who's standing out is the silver bullet or other pick for one of the big improvements uh, silver bullet Mike Hilton who's also playing sometime at safety he just looks faster both of those guys are, are flying around Terrell Edmonds you can really see how he has that first round pedigree which most people <laughs> didn't agree he actually had but you can see that he's an athletic beast he does well on one-on-one situations he flies up to make some stops on run plays and it's early but it it's looking like it might be it could become a little bit tricky for them to not start this guy at some point. So this continue year. And to talk about the defense. Have. Uh, we have nicknamed Mike Hilton, the silver bullet for obvious reasons. I want to name John Bostick, the walkie talkie. Apparently he's the communicator. He's the one guy talking out there. Talking, huh? Apparently the defense didn't talk to each other <laughs> at all. 
through the entire season for some reason. I think that was a code word for bad coaching. But now they have John Bostic. He's a big talker, and there's a lot of accolades for his communication skills. So I'm dubbing him the walkie-talkie. I love it. The walkie-talkie. We'll see if we have much chance to use it. It's still kind of unclear who's going to be that starting linebacker next to Vince Williams. And there's a – well, yeah, walkie-talkies in general, it's not – you know, it's not high quality audio, but it gets the job done. That's John Bostic in a nutshell. We don't know if he's going to be starting next to Vince Williams because there's even rumblings that there could be sort of like a three-man rotation. They've been playing John Bostic actually with Dirty Red, Tyler Matakevich at times. And the two guys behind them, LJ Fort apparently is battling it out with Oh my goodness, I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. Just a total brain oh, fart. Yeah. The uh, undrafted guy out of Florida State. Oh, this is ridiculous. I can't remember. Anyways, uh, super athletic guy. We didn't draft him. Um, my, his name will come back to me right when we turn this podcast off. But what I'm trying to say is that battle at inside linebacker is still not quite clear who's going to emerge, Dirty Red or John Bostic, although I still have my suspicions that the walkie-talkie will emerge. And while we... Don't have the answer to that inside linebacker starter question. The starting safeties is still a little bit of a question too because like his buddy, oft-injured Vance McDonald, Morgan Burnett, our new safety that we got from the Green Bay Packers, he has a little bit of an injury history and he has missed a ton of time in camp and hasn't played that much. And I don't know, man. While he's been out, Terrell Edmonds, the rookie, has been taking advantage of the reps and the opportunities. Sure, the and I wouldn't be shocked the, if he the pushes him out. You know, for Matt mid-season. Thomas, Matthew Thomas out of Florida State. Yeah, he's kind of lighting it up. Yes, Matt Look, Thomas. Look, what's really oh. exciting, if yeah, they can pull this off, and if they really freak. mean it, is the interchangeability. Maybe that's that's overstating it, but the flexibility. And if you can change your look in different uh, lineups on the field, that would add to the confusion of opposing offenses. I agree. Well, um, I actually just saw a cool quote on Twitter. I don't know who wrote the article. Sorry, I think it was a big media outlet. I'm sorry if I'm not giving credit to someone here. But the Steelers have been running a dollar defense recently. So not a nickel, not quarter, not dime, not – there is no penny defense. That might be just when the Steelers – would take off all their players except for Troy Polamalu and just let him wreak havoc. That would be a penny. Obviously, we don't have someone who can fill that role. But a dollar defense in which you keep four guys on the line of scrimmage. So you have your two defensive ends. That would be Bud and TJ Watt. And you have your two interior linemen. So that's Stefan Tuit and Cam Hayward. And instead of having two inside linebackers, they actually brought in two safeties to play linebacker. Then you have another two safeties behind them. And then you have three corners. So you got seven defensive backs on the field at one time, which sounds crazy. But it is a little bit interesting. The article that I saw had a picture of Cam Newton. And it said something about Steelers using dollars to combat running quarterbacks. So what we are playing Cam Newton this year, I think, right? Yeah, we're playing the, the NFC South, we're playing Tyrod Taylor and a couple different guys who can really run. Obviously, there's quite a few of those out there. And if you get a Terrell Edmonds who could really be effective in the box, perhaps, then that could be an interesting tool to use on third down, particularly on like a third and long or something like that. I wouldn't love trotting that out there on a first down uh, to get run all over. So um, and I don't think they would what, do that. But it could be a useful uh, tool. Where does the ball settle on chucks or chooks? 
because I've heard it pronounced multiple ways. He was uh, so my my information is that he was getting schooled by Chukes. by Bud, even though he's playing a lot of left tackle. I mean, well, Chukes is at an interesting opportunity. He's been playing first team tackle, and let because Villanueva has been out. I think Filer even missed a little bit of time. So uh, let's hope those guys get back as soon as possible. But I think that's the best thing that could happen for him in training camp. Like we said before, this guy's a project. He wasn't supposed to be moving into a, a even a, a second string role this year. That was, was supposed to be basically like a red shirt freshman year. This is a guy with a ton of athletic and just God-given talent in terms of size, but he doesn't really have that mean streak and he doesn't have that polish and he needs to develop a little bit more as a lineman. But right now he's getting forced to uh, – to play against the big boys and hopefully it'll speed up his development and we're going to need it because he is the second string tackle. He's the swing tackle. So he's been getting worked a little bit, but uh, from what I hear, you know, uh, so he's holding his have, own uh, to a degree. I, I mean, it's not oh, Mason Rudolph. What's the latest word on him? Yeah. Mason's sort of been uh, like James Washington, his old teammate to an extent. Uh, the first couple of days were pretty rough, but it sounds like, he started to string together some good practices, and you're seeing some signs of why he was drafted so high. Um, unlike his counterpart, Josh Dobbs, who has a great practice and then has a horrific practice. You know, he had one of the best practices of his life a couple of days ago, and then he followed that up with two pick sixes in a team session, which are on Instagram if you check out that City of Six Instagram. So Kevin Colbert had an interesting quote that he put out today. He said that... He admits Mason Rudolph is a little further along in his development than he would have thought he would have been at this point. And I thought that was kind of a funny quote, honestly, just because it's only been a couple of weeks of training camp um, practices. It doesn't sound like Mason's exactly been tearing it up, like he's been playing well, but he hasn't been you know, dominating Landry Jones and Josh Dobbs even. I mean, let alone you know, making a, a big showing as like a – first round talent like they talked about him so i thought it was a little bit of a funny quote even if he had been playing well it's just like not a big enough sample size so probably meaningless in the end of things but it does sound like he's progressing well and he's doing a good job in there and i think he's probably separating himself at least from josh dobbs already okay so let's move on to the depth chart that was released this week interesting anything interesting on there let's not no, it's just a formality. The first one of the year, the Steelers release, they almost do it as like a middle finger to the NFL or to the fan base. I don't know because the NFL requires they, re- they release one. And all the Steelers do is they basically put out the positions with all the starters who you already know are on there. You know, the guys from last year, Ben and the line and everybody. And then after that, they just go pretty much in order of seniority. So I even think like Matikavich was ahead of certain people last year. I can't remember, but all you have to know is it doesn't mean anything. I know Edmonds is fourth string safety on that one, so that's not going to happen. And uh, it doesn't mean anything. Just want to let everybody know. Don't freak out or don't think that you learned anything because we didn't. And I don't even, I don't even think they know their depth chart yet. They shouldn't. Okay. In the latest edition of Bell Watch. Bell Watch. Bell Watch. <laughs> this is Le'Veon's a good chapter. Le'Veon felt the need to enter the news cycle again. He did. Intentionally to do so, perhaps not. Well, he found a way to enter the news cycle again by entering the strip club with his girlfriend. There's a (laughs) Snapchat video or something that made a 
first off, you got to give the guy some credit or really you got to give his girlfriend some credit. They're very progressive. You know, some people do go to the strip club with their girlfriends and say it's a great time. I'm sure the girls agree. I'm sure they love it and they're not feigning uh, like I'm a cool chick. I go to strip clubs and like touch girls butts with you and it's cool. Like I don't mind. Anyways, probably went a little too far there. That's okay. I don't know where he was at. Andre had said, Steel City Strippers. <laughs> he doesn't want to know what that would look like. Uh, good friend of the show, Fender the podcast there, Andre. But uh, yeah, there's a video of uh, of Le'Veon touching a girl's butt. Um, legally, uh, she was a stripper. It seems like a dance was being paid for. Um, it was a really bad look because it was the first few days of training camp. And he was about to put out a new rap EP like the next day. And he was in a strip club. So first off, the dude's a freaking adult. I don't think he meant for the, 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 um, the video to be taken. A ton of guys apparently in the NFL go to strip clubs. So for that reason, it's, it's not a big deal. It doesn't really bother me. But for the timing, it's like, dude, you wonder why people get mad at you on Twitter. Uh, it pretty much explains it. Although I'll give him credit for his, his progressive relationship. Nah, that's what I don't understand. But let us uh, give credit to Andre, dubbed the Defender of the Faith, to the Steelers Outpost podcast. Thank you, Andre. A uh, l- little bit of other news. Interesting news coming out of Oakland about Martavis. John Cruden says yeah. he better get out on the field. <laughs> he could be, he might have diphtheria, but that doesn't matter to John Gruden. Yeah, so it sounds like Marty's pulling the same act over there as he did with us, which. Makes me feel bad for Marty, but feel bad about myself for feeling good. (laughs) Yeah, like I don't want him to go over there and just tear it up and Uh. beat us. Don't we play them this year? Um, No, but that sucks. I mean, the guy clearly has an issue. It sounds like he's missing some practices here or there. And uh, it revealed something interesting that I didn't think about before. But if you notice over his tenure with the Steelers, he missed a pretty good amount of practices with illness as the – injury designation and he's missed a couple practices for the Raiders already in this short period of training camp with a an illness designation and I'm realizing I can't believe I never thought of this before but you don't see this in the NFL so you wouldn't think that it would apply but I think man that Martavis is like a school child who like calls in fake sick and that's his excuse it sounds like he calls in and says he's sick when he can't go to practice. And really it's sad, man, because obviously he's got some issues with depression and the substance stuff that he's had. We don't know whether he's passed or not, but kind of sucks. And uh, it's just such a, it's a weird case. So we saw the first glimpse of uh, the imposition of the helmet to helmet role this week with the, uh, the first exhibition game between Baltimore and the Bears. The Ravens and the Bears. That is going to be a disaster if we can extrapolate that to an entire season. Okay, so if you guys haven't heard already, it was a disaster that leading with the crown of your helmet rule got uh, called within like the first two minutes of the game. And there was something like more than five of them. It was a true disaster. I cannot imagine the NFL will let this happen. I can't believe this. Every opportunity the NFL has – they screw up everything. They mess up. They make as many things worse as they do better. 
with these rules. You fixed the Jesse James rule because you realized that it was infuriating fans and it was making the game unnatural and people who shouldn't be winning were winning and it threatens the credibility of the game. Well, now you're placing the game even further into the hands of refs who are subjective, who are feeling pressured to make a call because you did that. It was simply a reactionary move because they're scared of the pushback football is getting because of the CTE stuff because they didn't want to reveal that information to their players because they're basically evil billionaires who were like crap now we have to admit that they're getting brain damage we will and everybody and the report came out that the nfl lied and withheld that information and nothing ever happened to them and we all forget about that but people still give ab crap for throwing a water cooler or odell crap for punching a wall it's just amazing how much oh, the nfl on. gets I, away with I, you know what? and I, just I sweeps under the rug i, I have to dispute money. that that everybody people think there's gambling going on in monte carlo there's concussions going on in the NFL. Who didn't know that? You take your own risks. Sorry. Well, I, I agree with that, but they got caught leak in a legal situation in which they lied about that information. And so it's look back at the Tom Brady thing. Look how crucified Tom Brady got. Do I care that he removed a, a fraction yes, of do. a pound of air oh, from the football? Sorry, we no, we don't. He's the Colts suck. He was going to stomp them anyways in that game. But the whole crux of that argument was that like you broke the rules and then you lied about it when you, when you destroyed the cell phones. Well, nobody's talking about that with the NFL. So all I'm saying is it's just so there's such a frustrating bunch of stooges in that office. And this rule will make this whole year a disaster. You know, games will be won and lost on this. I doubt that they're not going to do anything with that information. I mean, I'm sure that they saw how brutal that game was with the Ravens and the bears, and they've got to make some sort of reaction to it. I don't know if it'll be that extreme. Uh, I guess it's good that they get test runs. Johnny Menzel's Canadian football league debut did not go according to plan. I don't think he's going to play in the NFL again. Four <laughs> interceptions. Well, I'm watching the game. No touchdowns. They were trying to make a, 11 you know, for excuses for him that he had just shown up like an hour before the game. He hadn't any time to acclimate, but uh, it was a pathetic showing. And not that I, I, I feel sorry for anybody. I don't like him, but I did feel sorry. It was a hapless, a hapless game for him. Well, I didn't get to watch the tape, so I really can't judge it too much. I, I did hear before he went to that team that they suck, that they're really bad. And obviously the team uh, that he was playing against, his former team, is a pretty good squad. And he did just get there, and they did throw him into the fire right away. Yeah. So it's not totally indicative of what's going to happen. Listen, I remember when he played against us in that game, his breakout game with the Browns, and he threw for 300 yards on us, and he actually moved around okay back there in the pocket, and he made some nice throws. You want to just think that he's like a freestyle player, but he, he did have a decent arm. But I just never thought that that would translate to the NFL because even when he runs around, he's not exactly like super fast, and he's, he's very goofy when he runs. He has this upright kind of running style where he runs like a cartoon, and the ball's kind of flopping all over the place. I just didn't view that as like a sustainable – I mean, that was the whole crux of his game. So I don't know if he would have ever worked out. I did see it work against us, which isn't saying a lot because most things work against us when you're a quarterback. But, uh, th- I mean, it's going to be so hard for him to work his way back in the NFL, especially with the two-year contracts. He has so something the for the Steeler fans to look forward to on Friday, November 9th at 8 p.m. Eastern, A Football Life brings Bill Cowher to the big screen. 
Yeah, that's pretty awesome. They had Chuck Knoll. I don't know how you could compare. You know, Chuck Knoll's story is so interesting from uh, just a story perspective itself. But Bill is the freaking man, one of the most identifiable coaches that the NFL has ever seen. We obviously love him. I think uh, one of another good friend of the podcast, Sean Taylor, knows uh, knows uh, Bill Cowher's daughter, and we were at the same party one time. It was was the closest I had ever been to greatness. Magnificent. So my last little bit of a recommendation I have is I've been watching Last Chance U on Netflix for the last three seasons. The first two were East Mississippi Community College. Fascinating little Petri dish. And now we're into the ant farm of independence in uh, Indiana. And it is this is a totally different situation. Uh, I recommend you take a look at a couple of episodes just to get a flavor for what's going on in uh, community college football these days. With a with a roster full of Division One players, that some is, of whom will end up in the NFL. But this is this is what it takes to get there. That's super interesting. You know, I got to give you credit. You and Mom were on that from the first season. You loved that show, and now this year is the first time where I'm really seeing people talk about it. And the consistent quote I see from people is don't bother with any other football show. Like, don't worry about Hard Knocks. Don't worry about all those other ones. Last Chance You is the real deal, and it's awesome. So I definitely got to get on watching that. Hey, so and we I have agree. something interesting so this week. Thursday, the Steelers <laughs> take on, and I'm <clears throat> trying to stifle this, the world champion Philadelphia Eagles in the first exhibition game. So it'll be a little bit of fun uh, to see some of these guys out there live action, and maybe we'll have a little bit more to report next Monday. But – Hopefully, yeah. you guys have uh, will be patient Definitely. with the production values. That it's very hard to get internet at the beach and to set up laptops. I'm not used to to get sound. So hopefully, I get this out before midnight tonight. Well, the people need the information, and you didn't let a little technology. So stop I'm going to run off. Sure maybe a graph copy is going to fax out to all of our fans. If you don't get the actual audio recording, you will get a fax on your Panifax tomorrow morning by 6 a.m. We appreciate you listening to the show, and we do this podcast every week. And as you see, we are forging through. We've gotten through the doldrums. We are starting to ramp up the excitement, and we ask you to subscribe. So give us some feedback. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. We are prolific in that platform. Leave us a note at the website, SteelersOutpost.com, or shoot us an email at SteelersOutpostGmail at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you want to hear about. So until next week, thanks for listening. Go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.
www.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm-mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.